Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. Not using the exact same words that you just said, Brad, for the sake of the kids, but I thought the point you just made before we started recording was perfect. We are starting 2024 or finishing 2023 the same way we started 2023. Miserable. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. How are your respective breaks? Did Santa treat you well? No. Don't say that. Poor Catherine. Uh, She didn't give me anything. We don't do gifts. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, same. Kids got lots. They were happy. I got nothing. Everybody got sick. It was a typical Christmas with kids. That's good. As long as the kids are happy. Oh, yeah. They were over the moon. And everyone, I hope, had a nice holiday break. The NHL obviously had three full days off on the 24th, 25th, and 26th. And this podcast took its annual week-long break, so we missed uh, one of our you know usual recurring episodes, but we're back with you today. So, folks, we hope everyone had a safe Joyous, restful holiday, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, whatever you celebrate. And of course, with New Year's coming up, make sure to uh, continue to take advantage of what I always call the best week of the year where you can just turn your brain off and calories don't count and do whatever you want with your day. On the opposite end of that happiness spectrum, the Detroit Red Wings played some games since the last time we spoke. Also turned their brain off. (laughs) (laughs) They were just a week ahead of you, Ryan. That's a good way to put it, Evan. Folks, welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast, here to wrap up 2023 and talk about all things Detroit Red Wings, the world of the NHL, and lots more. I am one of your hosts, Ryan Hanna. I'm Brad Crisco. And I'm Evan. On this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast, we're going to be talking about the three games the Red Wings have played since the last time we spoke, home game against Philly, and then the two road games, one against New Jersey, and then on the other side of the break, which just happened last night, a 6-3 loss to Minnesota. We'll be talking about individual storylines from those games, you know, Edvinson being called up and sent down and how that saga went, Patrick Kane and his continuous, you know, surprise of fans and Red Wings fans and people across the NHL, Eisenman potentially looking for a goalie in Hockey Town, injury updates, a general what the hell is going on with this team conversation, which I'm sure is going to be very measured and calm before we look at NHL news and news from the World Juniors, which kicked off on Boxing Day and lots more before overtime. Before all that, I first want to let you know this episode of the Winged Wheel podcast is proudly brought to you by Labatt Blue Light. Created in 1983, this premium light Canadian Pilsner is a delicately balanced beer brewed with Cascade hops and a blend of malt. It's fresh, crisp, and brewed to the highest quality standards. There's a little bit of Canadian kindness in every sip of Labatt Blue Light. How did it get in there? They're Canadian. That's how. You can spread the love yourself by sharing a Labatt. So head to the link in the description of this episode or the one you see on your screen to find Labatt in stores near you today. You must be 21 or older, and as always, enjoy responsibly. And one other quick note. If you want to help support the Winged Wheel Podcast, consider supporting us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Podcast. If you want to join the so-called Dub Dub Club, you get access to our Patreon-exclusive Discord, all of our bonus overtime episodes, and any additional bonus content we record, as well, you're automatically entered into all of our giveaways. For example, we give away two tickets to every Red Wings home game, the vast, vast majority going to our Patreon supporters. So again, patreon.com slash Podcast. 
So it feels like forever ago, but Detroit played the first of the three games that we're going to talk about before the holiday break. It was on Thursday, December 22nd against the Philadelphia Flyers. I was there. It was nice to go to the game and just, you know, go and not from a hosting winged wheel podcast night perspective, just taking the game. And it was a good one to go to, I'll say, because her, at least that's what it seemed after the first period, because Patrick King kicked it off with two goals. Sprong chipped in, Comfort chipped in, Goss Bear chipped in, and we were walking around at first intermission saying, wow, thank goodness. Hell, head held high, chest yeah. out, perfect posture. 5-1 lead, you'll absolutely take that. And Mel turned to me and said, maybe this is just like a reward and the Red Wings are turning it around before the break and this is going to turn things around. And I thought, yeah, it's still early, but 5-1 should be safe. Anyways, the Flyers scored five uncontested goals. And we're I think up. you mean unanswered, but uncontested actually feels right. Oh, I I know what I said. Like okay, it, yeah. Where everything fell apart. Yeah. They could not get a save. That was terrible from Reimer. They could not get any support from defense or team defense. That was terrible from the team. Everything fell apart. Thank goodness for Dylan Larkin saving the team's skin and getting them into overtime by banking one off. And scoring from b- below the red line. And then all of a sudden, the Red Wings had to rely on what was a crazy overtime. And Carter Hart had a bad game, but he actually came up huge in overtime. But they had to rely on Lucas Raymond scoring the shootout winner and Patrick Kane sealing the deal with, you know, his fake hat trick goal. Which, credit to the LCA, like that place was, they were just excited for Patrick Kane and happy to get the win. It was an ugly win, but they'll take it. But that was not, I don't know. You walked away from that game thinking, a win's a win's a win. You're going to take the win. But nothing about that game dispelled any of the fears that Red Wings fans have had going into the holiday break. It was everything that's wrong with this team for the last month. Uncontested goals is the right word because it was shocking how easy they were going in. Mm-hmm. At least a few of those Reimer could have easily had, especially Owen Tippett's goal where the shot came from damn near the top of the circles and it dropped behind him. And of all people, Owen Tippett skates in to actually put it in the net and defensive coverage was nowhere to be found. Defensive awareness was completely absent. And did the Red Wings generate a hell of a lot of offense after they got those five in the first period? No, almost nothing. It's, I don't even know where to start right now. I, we, I think we have to recap all three games to truly get a picture of how bleak this is. So that was Detroit's win. They played a back-to-back with travel, so they went in and played New Jersey, which was never going to be an easy game, especially we talked about this last episode. You have Philly at home, and then you immediately have to go into Jersey. They lost that game 3-2. You know, Brad, you said the Philly game was a, an encapsulation of all that's been wrong with the Detroit Red Wings. This is also an encapsulation of all that's right with the Detroit Red Wings because who kicked off scoring other than Patrick Kane, who just has not slowed down. And there's going to be more on that as well for the the side other than Bleak. Well, we needed some optimism to talk about. And yeah. It's Kane and Debrinkit. There's nothing else. Pretty much. This game did not feature Reimer and Nett. Detroit brought in Hutchinson to, you know, have someone else besides Reimer because Line was still out at the time. Huso's out and they needed someone else in there, I'm sure they would have preferred to have played Reimer both games, but you couldn't with how Reimer performed against Philly. Hutchinson came in and made 33 saves on 36 shots, and 
the the Red Wings ended up losing three two in regulation, but the goaltend like Hutchinson did what he needed to do that game. In the three games since our last episode, that was the best goaltending performance from a Red Wings goalie. Yeah. Full and, stop. And today he's on waivers. Yeah. Because he was brought in as a backstop. I'll have thoughts on that too yeah. once we're done the recaps. So that was a 3-2 loss. Timo Meyer, who's, you know, that was I think his seventh and eighth goal of the season. And there have been questions actually about Timo Meyer in New Jersey and is he living up to that contract. Pops off for two against Detroit. Goss Bear. Filled in for Detroit, but Toffoli scored in the third to put New Jersey up, and that was it. You know, Detroit was getting saves and couldn't get it done. Holiday break, you thought, okay, maybe the Red Wings just needed that rest. We talked a lot last episode about, you know, this team being worn down, hurt, a lot of games in a short period of time, which is all very true. And then they came into the the other side of the holiday break with a same-day travel road game in Minnesota. You're not allowed to travel during the 24th, 25th, or 26th. So Detroit being one of the road teams in the NHL that day had to fly into Minnesota the same day. And then it was, I don't know, that game to me was, there were points where it seemed better, but the wheels really fell off in the third. There was a stretch towards the end of the first and early in the second where it all seemed manageable. It was short-lived. In the first period, Detroit within 38 seconds conceded a goal. In true Detroit Red Wings fashion, take a wild guess as to who tied it. Patrick Kane. Patrick Kane, again, Detroit's one of it. They're Detroit's only shining spots right now. Second period, Detroit came out and conceded a goal within the first, I think, minute and a half. And then the third period, I thought, okay, you know what? Reimer's in net, and he's actually made some big saves at this point. Not perfect, but he's made some really big saves. Detroit's only down one. Yeah, they let in two early goals, one at the start of each period, but this is a winnable game for Detroit. Minnesota's still going off their new coach boost right now, ever since Detroit got their last head coach fired, but Detroit can come in. They're two periods in. They're only down a goal. The goalie's giving them the save. They need to find a way. The offense needs to find a way to get this working. Alex DeBrinkett scored on the power play immediately after I said that. I was like, okay, here you go. You can you can make this a hockey game. Are you going to solve all the woes of the Red Wings overnight? No, but you can make this a hockey game, squeak away with another win. All of a sudden, you know, going into the end of the year, the the feeling's a lot different. Detroit then conceded three straight, <laughs> wherein the saves went away, the defensive assignments went away, the team defense went away, turnovers galore, like turnovers galore. Daniel Sprong pretty much did it all himself, broke into the zone, beat the goalie, a puck should it have gone in. Uh, yeah, you pay a guy like Daniel Sprong because he can shoot like that. Exactly. And then it was only a two-goal game again, but that was it. Kaprizov scored to make it 6-3, and that was that. And, you know, it was another, just another one of those games for the Detroit Red Wings where it wasn't completely out of reach the entire time, but the wheels fell off in a way where by the end of the game, it feels like it never was within reach, you know? I had to watch the Minnesota feed of the game and the Minnesota Minnesota announcer, one of the first things he brought up early in the game was Minnesota had four one-on-one point blank chances with Reimer in the first four minutes of the game and he's not sure he's ever seen that. So if you want to know how prepared the Red Wings were for that game after three days rest. That's what I was going to say is this game could have hit double digits, but for Minnesota, like, yeah, sure, Reimer didn't have a, at the end of the day, gave up six goals, but 
he made some really, really big saves. And the Red Wings were hanging into that game simply because of those saves he was making. You have Detroit's worst defenseman constantly playing like Detroit's worst defenseman. You have Detroit's best defenseman either having a bad game or they're so bogged down in the hardest minutes that you can possibly have to protect the rest of your defensive core, which is what Sider and Wallman, that's the case with them 99% of the time. That chart today was shocking. Yeah. And then you have players either making characteristic or uncharacteristic turnovers or missing defensive assignments. Just really terrible. You, you're talking a lot correctly lately, Brad, about you know defending off the rush. But even within your own zone, like that giveaway from Fabry where he allowed the puck to be stripped off of him. Like, where you could see it was about to be stripped off of him two seconds before it actually was. We were having a conversation today and it's like, what's wrong with the Red Wings? Right now, and again, I, I want to say what I've been saying last episode and episodes prior. I don't think this is the end of the Red Wings season. It's not so doom and gloom where it's all over. We've seen how seasons can turn around. But right now, the question is not what's wrong with the Detroit Red Wings. The question is, what's even going right for the Detroit Red Wings? And it is Patrick Kane, Alex Debrinkit to a lesser degree. And anything else beyond that is a wishful thinking. That's it. In this moment specifically, that's what the Red Wings are at. It sounds like an over-exaggeration because everybody's angry and upset with how they're playing. That's a literal statement. Larkin, not good. Raymond, not good. Sider, Wallman, not good. Some players down the lineup, catastrophically bad. Reimer played 30 minutes of a game, and he was great. And then the last 20 completely wiped out all the goodwill he had built up to that point in the game. And I think it was Minnesota's third or fourth fourth goal that perfectly encapsulates everything that's wrong with this team. Ryan Hartman gets an open shot from the slot off the rush that went five hole and Reimer played it like it was going high glove. Sure, Hartman might have maybe whiffed on it. Maybe he did mean to go high and it ended up going low, but the way Reimer played that was laughably bad. But how does Ryan Hartman get that wide open in the slot? I'm glad you asked because he made a great, or one of the wild forwards made a great play to drive the net, trying to split the D and the D were just able to keep him from getting a clean shot off. Who were the two defense back on that play? Again, I'm glad you asked. It was JT Comfer and Lucas Raymond. <laughs> the Comfer does not seem 100%, by the way. No, he seems, I'm hoping it's injury as to why he looks as bad as he does. And where were the defense, you ask? I don't know. Great question. We're still trying to figure it out. I know Sherratt missed a pinch and decided maybe not to get back in time. You know, when, you know, and like when you're playing the NHL video games, you miss the big open heights hit and you just keep skating forward because you're like, oh, well, <laughs> well, we're done. That one's going in the net. That's, yep. I think, what happened there. Yeah, it's the players are bad. The systems are not being followed. They're not or non-existent. Special teams. Well, let me tell you. Uh, They're special. <laughs> they are something. Uh, good is not a word to describe them. But every once in a while, your team can break down because, you know, a, go- a good goalie can always bail you out. Nope, hasn't happened once. I, I'm i at a complete loss. This is going to be Derek Lalonde's biggest test as to how good of an NHL coach he can be because the wheels have completely come off and he has to fix everything. It's easy, 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 easy to look at this and go, can't get a save, can't win, which is true. It's super easy to look at their coverage off the cycle, off the rush and go, 
Well, they're getting a ton of open shots. What do you want to do there? You're absolutely right. You can look at them in the offensive zone when Patrick Kane and uh, Alex Dabrinkit are not on the ice. Just kidding. When they're not on the ice, they don't get in the offensive zone. There is no offense being generated outside of two players. There is nothing resembling a defensive structure right now. And every shot that looks like it could go in the net is generally going in the net. This is as bad of a stretch as I think we've seen the Red Wings play in this rebuild. And the only difference why it hasn't gotten as bad as previous years is because they were able to sign a generational player a month ago. If you had told me the day Patrick Kane signed with the Red Wings that he'd be over a point per game, with the way the Wings were playing at that point and the way they were going, I'd be genuinely curious if they were leading the division at this point. At one point, they were close. And instead, he's over a point per game and the Red Wings are 2-8 and eight in their last 10. I can't... Do you know how spectacularly bad the rest of the team has to be playing to get a boost like that and to regress that badly? The the conversation about Patrick Kane is so funny because I think there's still people who really don't like Patrick Kane. Like, personally, and that, again, we, we've talked about it in previous episodes. For Red Wings fans, that's a very real, like, raw thing. But just for a second, look at the on-ice performance and the balance of goal and the balance of play with Kane and, you know, him and Debrinkit on the ice, for example. I don't even want to think about how bad things would be if they hadn't done that. If you want to try to to boil this down and say, oh, everyone's a little off because Kane came in and threw off the chemistry. I'm sorry, that's just not the way this works. It's just throwing off chemistry is a thing, but a player coming in and having the offensive impact that Kane is having, and I think by the, the metrics, his defensive impacts are not actually that bad compared to what you might expect because Patrick Kane is not a player you come into and expect to play defense. But what he's contributed offensively I shudder to think about where this team would be at without it. Like it's, they're not exactly winning. He's not stealing them games right now, but everyone so is he's off. He's trying. You the, can't, you could argue he stole the Philly game. That you can't blame everything that's going wrong on one guy or him throwing off the the, you know, the chemistry or the vibe of the team. It's every category right now. Who the. Okay, put yourself in a, lo- a professional locker room. Who gets rattled as a professional athlete that you just brought in Patrick Kane, one of the best American players of all time? Who, who gets, other than the guy who's losing their spot? Yeah, the 12th forward. That'd be the but, only guy. Oh, yeah. Here's my small violin for uh, Christian Fisher, like whatever. Who in their right mind, as uh, and fans are way different in terms of their me- mentality and you know how they think about these things. But who in their right mind as a professional athlete is upset by that? I don't think it's about being rattled. I think the argument is it's just thrown off what was working for the team before. But Because I, you've never seen anyone be able to do this on your own team, and now you're like, I don't know what to do with my hands? Well, they there actually is a little bit of that. Well, the re- <laughs> And they're slowly coming there, out of it. There but is like photographic evidence of the Red Wings just being like the three of us when Patrick King gets the puck on the power play. They just stand there and watch. Which is fair, like. And hey, if you're listening, Red Wings, I could do it for half the money. Uh, yeah, I'll I'll do it for a third. <laughs> <laughs> no, but in all honesty, the, the whole team, as you were saying, Brad, the whole team looks off. 
if you can fix this team and get a save, I'm not confident that any given night they're going to be able to put up the goals or not hang that goalie out to dry. And right now, you know, they're keeping Reimer as the, the one of the three goalies. Huso's still out. Lyon, thankfully, is going to be back and starting the next game. That doesn't mean anything, though. He Like, Reimer is it's just not it. They tried. He is... who? Yeah, he, but, sorry, but, like, who thought Reimer was going to be the saving grace? Not Nobody. the saving grace, but just, you know, consistent enough where you can have him as a backup. And it was... It wasn't a for-sure thing because they had Huso. They brought in... Reimer and Lyon. You're like, between the three, we should be able to somebody, get... Somebody will figure it out. A starter and someone who can come in and play 20, 30 games. And because of injury, that kind of spoiled things for Lyon. Because of injury, even Huso, who was looking better, is now out for an extended period of time. And the moment you had to lean on Reimer at all, it got exposed. He's, I'm sorry, he's washed up. He's, he's just not at an age and a physical... A level of physical ability where he can keep up and save the Red Wings. So he'll have stretches where he's going to be able to make a save sometimes. But the moment he gets hung out to dry, which is what the Red Wings are doing to him, the, the pucks are going to go in the net. And even if you have Lyon playing well, a lot of games the Red Wings are going to hang him out to dry too. It's everyone. The coaching, I don't know what the coaching strategy is to break a team out of a funk. It's an extremely difficult thing to do. Every year across every major sport, you have team sport you have teams who do this where they are just not playing like themselves and the question now for the Red Wings is what was more themselves you know October November or what they're playing like right now call me an optimist but I don't think what they are right now is who they truly are or can be this is like shocking to watch I I still think this is something they can and should break out of I'm glad you brought up that point you made in the middle there of like how you how do you shake this up because the Red Wings got it right and then immediately screwed it up because this is a point I brought up last episode. Someone on the team needed to not be on the team the next day. Someone new had to come in and put a scare in the team, not because they're scary, but like this guy is here to take someone's job. The next day, Simon Edmondson gets called up. Due to other circumstances, Michael Hutchinson also gets called up. There are two new guys in the room right now battling for jobs. You know, if you're Jeff Petrie or Oli Mata or Ben Sherratt or who the hell ever, and you see Simon Edmondson, a top 10 pick, sitting there, you should be, you're nervous. You should be filling your pants. You're nervous. And Edmondson didn't play, like, awful any worse than anybody else. He didn't blow the doors off anybody. But he was there to take someone's job. And then Hutchinson goes against New Jersey and puts together the best goaltending performance the Red Wings had seen in a few weeks. Message sent. This team is not going to accept this, and these guys are going to take someone's job. Who's it going to be? Who's not going to step up here? Who's going to continue to flounder? Hutchinson's on waivers today. Edmondson's back in the minors. Message completely pointless. Hall was the one who came out after the Philly game because he Mata got hurt off of that big hit, and then Hall had a shocker of a game. Like you know, of all the players to have shockers of a game, he his was especially bad. He went out. And then Mata was obviously injured. They called Edvinson up. The Red Wings scared the hell out of me that night, by the way, because I tweeted out that that was going to happen. And in the morning, <laughs> they waited so long to announce it. I went, oh, my God, I'm going to get killed for this. But they, they've they called Edvinson up, and I thought, yeah, great. Because it's it wasn't just a simple, oh, Mata's out, then we're just going to keep Hall in. Hall had a terrible game, worse than he should have had. And then they brought in Simon Edvinson. Perfect. That's exactly what they should have done. That's what they should continue to do. 
Someone plays like crap, they are out of the lineup the next game, and you just make it work. You, you mentioned Simon Edvinson, and, and let's talk about him now. He wasn't outstanding. He wasn't spectacular. He had a secondary assist in there, I think, and it wasn't like, oh, he has to stay in because he sees the ball by the horns, and this is now his moment. But we weren't expecting that with Simon Edvinson. And I got a, a snarky text from a buddy of mine who's a Leafs fan, and he was like, oh, I thought Simon Edvinson was supposed to you know, save the team. And I was like, no, that's never what we were saying, though, right? It was, if you're going to be this bad and your bottom three defense are going to play the same way you're concerned Simon Edvinson is going to play, you may as well have Simon Edvinson doing it because I I, I don't want to say his journey is over in the AHL and there's nothing else for him to learn. No, he'll still develop and learn. But with a defenseman like that, like he is and should be a good NHL player. Is it going to be a, a middle pair defenseman? Is it going to be a top pair defenseman? I don't know. And neither do the Red Wings until they get him his reps. It's not a new story. You need to get a player like that in and playing and experienced it to see if you can hammer out the the turnovers or the mistakes or the missed assignments. And you have the added bonus of his offensive aptitudes. I don't see the point of playing Mata or, or Petrie or Hall where most of the time they are not actively helping the team or at least to varying degrees between those players. I also, you know, I tweeted something else out about Ben Sherratt having a quietly really good season for Detroit. And I still believe he is, but immediately after that, he went and was, you know, well out of position on a goal. And I was like, of course, I should just shut my mouth now. But like, okay, Simon Edvinson didn't come in and completely mo cider the situation. But if that's that's the standard, the Red Wings are going to have a bad time with their prospects. This has been a number one problem throughout the whole rebuild. The prospects are held to a different standard than the veterans. This is year eight of sitting here in this rebuild saying, I can't wait for the day this team plays young players who might be bad instead of old players who are bad. And that's where we're at. Edmondson, again, didn't knock the doors off, but he wasn't any worse than Petrie or Mata or Hole have been for the last month. Hole, Mata, and Petrie have no future with this team. We're already counting down the days till these contracts run out. Already. Well, some of them the moment they were signed, but Edmondson's the future. Let him learn. He's developed in Grand Rapids. He's great down there. He needs NHL reps. This team needs to know they can't get complacent because that's what this team looks like. It looks like they're complacent. They do not. It's not like this team forgot how to skate, stick, handle, and shoot. They lost their brains. Coverage is brains. Awareness is brains. They are just brain dead out there, and there's no accountability. They look burnt out. They look genuinely yeah, burnt dis- out. In their defense, that December schedule was brutal. And but every other is. NHL team had the same basic schedule. January is not good either. No. They they finish, they come back, and it's every other night in for the rest of December, and then immediately they're on a West Coast road swing. Like We, we chatted about this previously. The January 2nd, January 4th, January 7th, that's San Jose, LA, Anaheim. And then thankfully they have three days off before, you know, getting Edmonton at home on the 11th. But it's not, there's no real reprieve in there. Well, not to be, you know, sound harsh. This is why these guys get paid millions of damn dollars is to work their way through this shit. They're professional athletes and no reprieve my ass. Yeah. The schedule sucks. You're playing two of the worst teams in the league in that three game stretch in California. San Jose is awful. I was going to say, the Red Wings are doing an inter-squad game? <laughs> yeah. Anaheim is awful. 
And the Red Wings have losses to both of them in this stretch. So I, like, I don't want to base any opinions off emotion, but it's hard not to tie them in because of how just staggeringly bad in every facet this is. And I'm done looking for excuses for this team. You know what the good teams don't have? Excuses. You're either good or you're bad. Well, uh, a good, you know, representation of that is Devon Taves the other day comes out and says, oh, there's guys on our team who think they're playing well, but in reality, they're actually shit and they need to get their act together. Those are the things you want to be hearing. You want to be hearing, you know, guys subtly, I don't know, he didn't name names, so I'll say it's a subtly calling out people, but... You know, that's what you want to see out of the leadership group in your uh, on your team is, you know, everybody holding each other accountable for good and bad. And I just don't, it's, uh, I don't see it on the Red Wings right now at, at all levels. No one's absolved from, from the two and eight performance we've been with, watching over the past 10 games. Nope. PK sucks. Same PK units are trotted out. Power play sucks. Same power play units are trotted out. Four lines rolling, three of them not contributing. 3D pairs going out. I mean, it, to be fair, there's not much you can do. They all suck right now. So You have to put Wallman insider against the other team's best players, and that's going to demolish a lot of the impact they could be having for the Red Wings because they just have yep. to eat terrible minutes. At this point, who cares? Put the top you know, line from the other team out there against like Chirac, Gossespierre, Hole. I don't care because Wallman insider aren't doing it. They're burnt out. They're dying. They're impacts are being lessened like the quality of competition chart i think it was prashanth shared it today like they are number one in the league for difficulty by a mile there is no d pairing in the nhl getting over you overworked as much as them which is just a statement as to how bad the bottom two pairs on this team are that newsy has to shelter them that religiously it's I'm not going to get into the whole big overarching well, if they're gonna problems get, with this franchise and the rebuild, but like this is one of them. If that D pairing is going to get worked the same amount as another D pairing, why don't they just, you got 41 home games, the same amount as everybody else, put Wallman and Sider out there against a, a second or third line. Schrott and Hull were brought in to shut down D. Put, Screw it. Put them out against Crosby, McDavid, whatever. Then maybe Sider and Wallman start putting up some points. If the Red Wings, yeah. If the Red Wings are going <laughs> to, if that top pairing is going to get shelled just the same as everybody else, you got to get them away from the, the those hard matchups at least a little bit less. Like you, you got to give them some opportunities to have some offensive start times and d- generate some offense. It's almost discombobulating the breadth of what's going wrong for the Red Wings right now. Like I'm trying to you know, maintain some structure and say, let's talk about this specific point. But let's look at one of the lines who I think had a terrible game last night. Fabry, Confer, Raymond. Three players who, by and large, have been really, really, really good for Detroit this season. They look god-awful. And there's some microcosms of what's going on for the Red Wings, or what's going wrong for the Red Wings in that line specifically. Like, Confer is a, a great player. I think before his injury was one of Detroit's best players. And I I would bet anything that he's playing a little banged up right now and he really hasn't found his footing since returning. And that's like, that's so much of this team. Yeah, they're exhausted. Yeah, they can't get a save. Yeah, they're hurt. But you also watch what this team was doing before and you point to what Brad said earlier, which is every team in the NHL goes through this. Like, this isn't special. We're, we're going to see this again probably this season. 
I still think they can and will be better than this. Like this, it's almost illogically bad. Not just the results, but how they're playing on the ice. Like I just can't think that they're not going to break out of this. It's a wonderful thing that Patrick Kane is coming in and so far staying healthy, knock on wood. And it's a great thing that Patrick Kane is producing as much as he is. Is it a good thing that he's Detroit's best player? Yes and no, because I don't think he should be. He absolutely is right now, and it's not particularly close. There should be somebody running in second trying to catch him. Larkin, Sider, undoubtedly, Debrinkit, Raymond. Raymond, Debrinkit's making an effort of it. Yep. Unfortunately, unfortunately, Patrick Kane just passes him the puck, so he keeps himself kind of ahead in the race. Hey, at least one of the other four guys on the ice is getting open when Patrick Kane has the puck. And the argument is, oh, but Kane is only playing offense. I'm like, yeah, the rest of the team is not exactly playing defense, so what's the argument there? Like, this team is just, I I hope I'm right in saying they're playing unsustainably poorly right now. The optimist in me says they'll break out of this. We've We've seen a lot of bad NHL teams, not just the Red Wings, over the past eight years we've been doing the podcast, almost nine there's this is un I would say it's unsustainable as well because just look at their structure. It's so well, the fact that I use the word structure is uh, far too complimentary. It, there's no structure. So yes, I think if they can return to some form of because even the bad teams in the NHL can play the most like an easy man on man system. Like if the Red Wings can get back to any semblance of structure, I think they can at least you know make it a more of a coin flip. Well, you two are absolutely right. This is, of course, this isn't sustainable. Yeah. Look at the camera when you say that. (laughs) Yeah. There's just one key part you guys are leaving out, which is this is absolutely unsustainable, but how long this lasts determines whether or not they make the playoffs. Oh, they're firmly in the, we are doing damage territory. Bottom 10 in the NHL. They, they have a week or two to (laughs) climb out of this, or we're talking about how many of the pending UFAs are they selling at the deadline? Well, I mean, that's not an unfair conversation to have right now. I mean, yes, it's extremely reactionary and it depends how, you know, long your frame of reference is for that, but that's, that's a totally fair conversation to have when you're down in the dumps and, you know, we're a podcast. So part of our obligation is to be reactionary. So I, I don't, you know, but I, I think everyone who knows who's could be sold it is very obvious. There's, there's no problem. Like there's no problem with any Red Wings fan right now saying, yeah, I'm not happy with the way this team is playing. If they were playing um, incredible and it was just the goaltending, I'd say, it sucks, and, and I would hope Eisman can find a solution to that, but you have three goalies in between the two of them. You should have been able to get a save. But, you know, you're losing 7-6 every night. The Red Wings haven't won a game when they've scored three or less goals this whole year. That's staggering. But to my point about the goalie, it's not just that. Fans were displeased. They're very right to be displeased. I think people who say, you know, this is unsustainably bad, and if we are just patient, you'll see the team come back to form— I tend to think those people would be correct to some degree, but that doesn't mean that the fan base should be happy with this, especially because you saw the form they had earlier this year, and you're both very correct. This is a real phase of the year where you're doing serious damage to not just all the good work and the run good you had early on in the year, but even your sustained overall like generally positive play that was indicative of who you are as a team. This team... It, you're fighting to stay relevant to even get back into the playoff conversation later on. It's not. It's no longer about hanging on to your playoff spot. 
you're fighting to not have to sell Gosses Bear. You're fighting to not have to, you know, have a conversation with Patrick Kane of, hey, are you going to sign or, you know, do you want to waive your your clause so we can trade you because teams now believe in what you can do. Like, this is going to move you in different directions. And from a business standpoint, it doesn't matter if he says he doesn't care or not. Steve Eisman cares. The Illich ownership cares a lot about playing playoff games because that puts butts in big, seats. Big that's, dollars. That's big revenue. And it's, frankly, it's good for the team and it's good for the fans too. Like Detroit fans, thank goodness for the Lions, which I can't believe is a real thing I'm saying out loud into a microphone. Tough days at the LCA for uh, the multi-professional oh. sports teams there. My God. Like, if the Red Wings can squeak into a playoff spot, that it's genuinely good for everyone involved. I, I know it's, are they cup contenders? Probably not. Almost definitely not. But it still is a net positive, and it's a win for the team, for the city, for the fan base. And the Red Wings care about that. So, yeah, they're, they, they're going to have to scramble and find a way. You know who was absolutely ass in January? The St. Louis Blues, and then they decided, you know what, we're going to win the Stanley Cup, and they did. So not all hope is lost. Is that your prediction? The Red Wings win the Cup? Yeah, I had <laughs> I had Detroit seventh in the division in my season preview, but now I'm changing it to Stanley Cup champions. <laughs> so I was curious to see how much damage they did. I pulled up the standings here. So currently the Red Wings are three points out of a wild card spot, which on its face doesn't seem too, too bad this time of year. Almost ever, but here's the thing. There's four teams ahead of them for that eighth seed. So they have to leapfrog four teams. And they have less games played. And of those four teams, three of them have games in hand on Detroit. And, and Montreal has uh, two games in hand and are a point back. Yeah, they have a better points percentage. So essentially, Detroit has to leapfrog five teams to get into that playoff spot. They could play at their October-November pace for the rest of the season from this point on and still miss. I don't know the exact math off the top of my head, but my gut's telling me that math probably still has them outside of the playoffs. They're going to need to play as good, if not better, than they did before for the rest of the season all the way into April. Because again, it's not just making up points. They have to outpace Montreal, Pittsburgh, New Jersey, Tampa Bay, and Washington to get into that final wildcard playoff spot. Well, upcoming, the Red Wings have both at home, Nashville on the 29th at 7 p.m. Eastern, and then on Sunday they have a 5 p.m. game, New Year's Eve, against the Boston Bruins. That's also at home. We'll be back with you on Monday. We're not going to be recording on New Year's Eve, and we're going to be taking the mornings on New Year's Day to recover, but by Monday night you'll have our next episode, and then after that is the Red Wings West Coast road trip. So they're going to have to figure this out. And fast. Speaking of figuring out something that I've been hearing, I, I don't really have a lot of you know, notion of the names, and it's not really a unique thing across the league. But I do believe that the Red Wings are calling around looking for a potential trade in net. Very obviously, what they have in terms of Lion, Huso, and Reimer doesn't inspire confidence that the team is able to hang on to those guys and do what Brad just said they're going to have to do to get back into a playoff spot. Lion was good. We'll see how he is after getting back from injury. Huso, by and large, bad this year, but he was getting better before getting hurt. Reimer, you know, started with some good results, but then has been... That was like three games. Bad ever since. They're looking for a solution in net, but they're not the only team. And what a a twist of fates where Detroit hung on to three goalies in hopes of, A, 
settling into two of them and B, dealing the third. And now are one of the teams looking for a solution in net, which is going to be hard to do. Because what do you do? Do you look for a guy who's like Alex Lyon and you bring him in and, and hope that he can at least be a consistent half starter or backup? Do you try to make a blockbuster for, you know, a Gibson type? Like, what do you do here? I have zero interest in a short-term stopgap because you're just playing the same roulette that they played this year with the three that they have. And yeah, the injury sucks. I actually feel like Alex Lyon hasn't got a fair shake this year because he's been mostly good. However, like, yeah, if you go out and you trade for another journeyman, you're going to get the same results. Yeah, you might get a couple good games. I am fully on board if the Red Wings want to hunt around for like a longer term solution. I don't know if John Gibson is the right answer here. Why I, didn't we sign Jonathan Quick? Well, because he's he was been awful. terrible before that. Yeah, and you put him in front of one, behind one of the best teams in the league, and all of a sudden he improves. Shocking, I know. What I just I don't see the solutions out there. I I don't know what like this almost feels panicky. Because, and for good reason, this was a a year they should be competing for the playoffs and they did not find a solution yet. But I have a hard time finding the solution when I look around the league for a goaltender. I don't think, I disagree. I don't think it's panicky because, you know, we're saying the Red Wings need to break out of a funk and they need to find some stability to their game. If you are not solid in net, it is a very tall ask to be to have the rest of your team play with confidence. And we know that because we've watched the Detroit Red Wings for the last nine years. And so I think I actually I I, I think this is the right thing to do. I understand the sentiment of it seems reactionary or panicky, but as long as it's not like you're mortgaging massive, massive futures for a big risk, like I don't know, goalies are weird, man. You bring in a goalie who wasn't really working out somewhere else or was halfway decent and you give up a fourth or something like that. I have no problem with that. Well, that's the point I was going to get to, and, and I'm glad you brought it up because I'll ask the question. Are you willing to pay a premium asset to stop a losing streak? For a rental, no. What's but Peter Morazic doing in Chicago right now? Can we bring him in? Can't be any worse. But that's the thing. Either you're paying a low cost, but you're just getting more of what you already have. But goalies are weird. You can find, like, I, I don't think it's a directly analogous to players because sometimes you just find a random guy who can do it for you for the rest of the season. And would I pay a fourth or a fifth to get the, this team back on track this year? I th- I'd i say yes, unequivocally. Then, then Evan's right. You're looking for a Peter Mrazek. That that would be the game plan, which to me just... You Ken- have three of them. That Kenzie is a dar- Blackwood in San Jose? That's maybe, a dart at a dart Maybe. Like, there's a lot of those options out there, but if you're looking for a tangible solution, I, I think it's literally John Gibson. I'm a bigger John Gibson apologist than most. I, I really like him, but with that contract and his age and his recent history, that's not a gamble the Red Wings should be making right now and not giving up any good assets for. If there's some sort of cap swap that can work out with Anaheim on that one, sure. But I don't know. Do you maybe take a flyer on Vemelka in Arizona, but they're not going to let him go cheap. So I, I don't know. I agree the goaltending on this team sucks and should be upgraded, but I don't think that's a mid-season solution with what's out there right now. There's so many teams right now who think they're playoff bound or could be playoff bound or right there competing for a wild card spot that it's going to be hard to find a, a a trade partner. There's nobody in the East. No team in the East wants to trade 
Montreal probably has a dedicated line for trade inquiries into Jake Allen. Like that, that phone must be ringing all day for him. But well, they're not going to do it to the team that's one point ahead of them in the Atlantic, and they're not going to do it cheap. Why would they let Detroit benefit in a trade like that I, would directly impact Montreal? I even say take a flyer on Vemelka out of Arizona. They're they're the seven seed in the West right now. They're not trading them. They're in a playoff spot. So I don't know. Like again, I agree with your overall sentiment of this goaltending sucks and upgrades should be explored, but it's redundant to just bring in like to give up a fourth round pick for more of what you already have. And I the quote unquote premium solution, I just I don't see it out there. People are gonna hate it, but the P- Peter Mrazik's got an over over a nine hundred save percentage. On with that defense, that's saying something. That is that is actually might be the answer here. Mackenzie Blackwood and Capo Kakinen are almost both at a nine hundred save percentage too on San Jose. Oh, wow, we're feasting. <laughs> the, here's I'm the thing, scraping like, the bottom of the barrel right now. Here's the thing, you know. It is notable that the Red Wings may be looking for a goalie solution, so I don't want to minimize something that I brought up. But we've known for a long time in the NHL, goalie trades are hard to make and weird. And 95% of the time when a team is looking to make a trade for a goalie just doesn't materialize. The the valuations of them are weird. Teams are, uh, Brad's correct, teams are reluctant to let go of goalies who are promising for a minimum return. Otherwise, you know, what's the point in doing it? You essentially, you're throwing a dart at the dartboard here. If you made me bet, I would say a trade doesn't materialize for Detroit. And they lean on Lyon and Huso getting healthy and hoping that form comes that way. And if it does, my gut would be it is a fifth or a sixth round pick for some journeyman body, which I'd be okay with because it can't be any worse. Do I think that solution would bring more fruitful results? No, I think it'd be more of the same, but... I'm also at the point where, yeah, screw it. Send a message. Send a fifth-round pick to, for Peter Mrazek, and maybe it shapes up, shakes up the goalie room. And even if Mrazek sucks, Huso goes, oh, yeah, they're not screwing around and gets his shit together. I don't know. Didn't Auntie Ranta just clear waivers too? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but did you see what he was doing this year? Have you seen the Red Wings goalies <laughs> in the past month? <laughs> Somehow better than Auntie Ranta this year. I well, hope- He'd have a support group then. It'd be perfect. You, you guys know what's going to happen against Nashville and Boston, right? They're going to beat Boston. It's going to be 4-0 and 5-1 wins for Detroit, respectively. Alex this. Lyon gets, puts up 82 saves in back-to-back games. It, like, First of all, I want to say it's not... I'm not saying Detroit's going to guaranteed lose those two games. No, I, I wouldn't be terribly shocked. If Wait, Detroit, were you saying a loss or a win? No, I was going to say wins. Oh, okay. I was based thinking, on like this whole conversation, because yeah. if Detroit... My whole point is that I think Detroit can actually just break out of this with some time, which might not be time to save the playoff hopes, but it could. It's just going to be the natural order of things, and they could win against Nashville and Boston. But yeah, the conversation about what's sustainable is is what's going to carry on here. You have to hope, no matter what, that they close out. If they're going to make a move for a goalie down the road, whatever. If they're going to bring Edvidson back up down the road, whatever. No matter what it is, you hope they close out twenty twenty three with a little bit of a high note, because if they can win these two games and that makes a big difference in terms of the perception of the skid and and how much they were able to salvage from December. But whatever happens, if they want to be in the playoff conversation, they have to do it fast. Seasons can turn around. Detroit season turned around after this point last year where we were having identical conversations. 
But at some point, you can't rely on incredible runs of form like Detroit had after that. Like you need, you need to have less variance over the course of the season. And I know win, a win's a win, but how the Red Wings, how they win the next two games is incredibly important. Because if they win both those games, but they're chaotic good, it's not going to be all roses and sunshine. There's still going to be that question of, you know, structurally or based on the eye test, can this team, is this team turning the corner even though they did win these two games? It's the difference between first and second intermission against the Philly games, how we felt. First intermission, you're like, there Here we is. go. That's the Red Wings we know that can be there most nights. And... It doesn't make the rest of December okay, but you're like, shit happens. Injuries happen, you know, rough dips happen, tough schedule happens, but that's still there. And by the end of the Philly game, you're walking out pumped up because, you know, everyone was singing, don't stop believing and throwing their hats, even though it wasn't a real hat trick and appreciating Patrick Kane. And yeah, they got the two points, but I looked at the New Jersey game the next day and I thought, hmm. You know, losing both the games to finish out the month will obviously be hugely damaging as well but if they're if they're close games and they're in that that'll at least make me feel better you know it's all about how these next games get played are you saying it's all about the process Oops. yeah how are we feeling if they beat nashville 4-1 but get out shot 16 to 42 i mean i <laughs> dudes rock right now i'll say <laughs> i will say thank god the red wings got that win but i'm not impressed in the yeah. way they did it I'll oh. say I'll, I'll, I'll be like, they got Hellebuck in a week and this is how they've turned around their goaltending problem. It's so funny because after this point last year, I just remember, you know, basically we got fed a bit in terms of the, the negativity in December. And I thought, yeah, you know, we probably had a lesson to learn there about talking a little bit more about overall season perspective. And I, I think we did that today where it's like, don't phone in the season and not all hope is lost and the color hasn't drained from the Red Wings lives, but it's just fun. It's like Groundhog Day. Here we are again. December and it's all doom and gloom. We said this, I think, on November 30th. I went, here we go. Here's December. Here's the usual. And I was kidding. But then I guess I wasn't. Until you weren't. You were kidding until you weren't. Anyways, that's the Red Wings for the last time in 2023. Here's hoping we don't see you again for the same conversation next year. Let's talk about the rest of the NHL, and also international hockey. Let's start with the NHL, though. Uh, Connor Bedard has arrived, yeah? <laughs> oh, my God. I love Connor Bedard so much, and I still hate so much that he's a Chicago Blackhawk. It's the worst thing in the he world. He even got ESPN to post something to their Instagram about him. No about way. About hockey. Yep. Oh, my. Like, their main ESPN. Main ESPN posted to Instagram about the NHL. That's how you know it's a big deal. The NHL, I will say, I'm, I've been impressed with how they've pushed forward in a way that's probably annoying to a lot of already hardcore hockey fans. Like you think of us and you're like, there's other players in the league. Like, my God, not every conversation needs to be a Connor Bedard shoehorn. But you do that and all of a sudden when Connor Bedard pulls off a Michigan and pulls off a sick OT winner and shoots in a way where seemingly no one else in the world can shoot the puck, you now have people who are casual viewers of hockey or not even viewers of hockey. They see that content on ESPN. They've heard the name before. And there you see comments uh, like, hey, I don't watch hockey at all, but this Connor Bedard guy seems like he's really sick or like he's the best player in the world or whatever. And 
do they have any idea of like anything else about the game? No, but this is literally what growing the game looks like. I've been impressed with the NHL. They've been impressed with Connor Bedard. You're right, Brad. It breaks your heart that he's a Chicago Blackhawk. He that kid is a special talent, man. Just watch any one of his goals in slow mo. Even in slow mo, you're like the puck is not meant to be going that direction. That does not make sense with how he loaded the puck and fired it all within like a femtosecond. And somehow that wasn't even the best Michigan that night. <laughs> no, <laughs> Trevor Zegers is the toy that's being thrown into the bin. <laughs> oh, how the turntables. Trevor Zegers is no longer the pretty boy poster child. Trevor Zegers no longer best friend. Connor Bedard now <laughs> new best friend. <laughs> like, like, just think of how ridiculous Connor Bedard is. That Trevor Zegers scores arguably the goal of the year. Where he does the Michigan, but he just picks it up on the toe of his stick because he's bored. And then the camera immediately pans to his girlfriend, who's maybe the most famous TikTok star on the planet, and Bedard still story number one. Look, man, <laughs> this is the future of the NHL. Two Michigan goals in one night was hilarious. To I see, love it so much. I'm a big fan of, as a defenseman, I don't know if you guys know, I, I used to play defense. I'm a big fan of defensemen who just like hack you across the hands if you're going to try that. Or you gotta be, who those the guys got to be careful. They're skilling it up too much out there. And I'm a big, I'm an even bigger fan of guys who can pull it off in your face. Do either of them play Philly anytime soon? Yeah, we'll find out quick. <laughs> and then, yeah, Bedard and the OT winner, and just like he's finding his form. He knows how to find space a little bit more now. He's adjusted to the physicality of the game. Like every rookie has that period of time, and. It's, I hate to make the comparison, but you know, like prime days or early days of LeBron James where you're watching him and you're like, oh, when he's on, you're wondering how other teams are going to stop him. I watch Connor Bedard and him shoot the puck now. I'm like, mm. when he has space, I struggle to see how other opposing teams are going to stop him. If Chicago builds a team around him, like, you know, the, the Taves Kane era 2.0, that's going to be a problem. Quick name, either one of his line mates. No, I, 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 Andreas Athanasiu Taylor Hall. Taylor Hall's out for the season. So hurt. Mm. Athanasiu, I genuinely don't know if he's playing on that line, but now imagine Connor Bedard and Chicago gets him some proper line mates. Like Macklin Celebrini. Like, don't even joke about it. I, you I know, you know what's happening. I know, Ryan. I know. I just don't want to think about it until it happens. Okay. How, That's how much all worse I will it be if they get, uh, Iserman and then Iserman in, in Chicago? How, even though it's completely different spelling, that makes me sick to my stomach. I mean, this we're sitting I'd... here with Patrick Kane in Detroit, so I guess yeah, they so kind of owe it to Can't us. wait till we get Connor Bedard when he's in his 30s. I don't say this lightly, and you guys know I don't say this lightly. Evan, this is the closest I've ever been to wanting to punch you in the face. <laughs> Just hearing that. That is, that is. Oh, you know it's going to happen. Poor story writing that we've been witnessing this year. It's lazy, it's cheap, and the the hockey gods are going to do it. Yep. They gave us a little bit of uh, meaningless now. positivity by giving us Kane. Because what does that change in the end? Nothing. All right. I've never. And they're going to put an Eisman in Chicago. I didn't want to have the, this thought. I did not want to cross my head at any point in the season. But now that we've talked about it, do we want this to really go off the rails for Detroit so we could get another Eisman? I don't that think was it's gonna possible. Be, that was going to be my don't the other side possible. of the coin. The same way I, I don't think it was possible for them to really be in the Bedard mix. I don't think it's possible with their team now. They're but, not going to suck like December for the rest of the year. But if they do. Then 
<laughs> then you almost want Eisman more than Celebrini at this point. Well, he is the most naturally gifted goal scorer in the draft. Anyhow. <laughs> I hate it here. You, you want to have some conflicted fun? Watch Connor Bedard. Speaking of young players, the World Juniors kicked off on Boxing Day, and it kicked off with some really positive notes for the Red Wings and their prospects. Nate Danielson in that first game was named uh, Canadian player of the game and looked like the best Canadian player on the ice. Goal and assist for two points in that game. Yeah, everybody was probably disappointed when they saw Danielson projected on the as the 2C or 3C for Team Canada and then ended up as fourth, fourth line right wing. That line's firing, though. My God, they are... Uh, they got a lot done with the like 11 minutes, 13 minutes ice they played, too. Yeah, not the most skilled line on Team Canada, but they were really good You're against s- Finland. Yeah, you see more of the form of Nate Danielson as a problem to play against, and that was very well on display. And he, they was creating offensive chances. There was one point where he had a great pass in front where he almost wasn't expecting it, and... It could have had another goal in that tally too. He looked oh, really the, good. The Finn knocked it away from his stick at the last second. Otherwise, I think he might have had it. So that was Danielson, Trey Augustine, two wins already for the States, making a real case to be one of Detroit's, you know, more underappreciated and underrated prospects in the system. Axel Sandin Pelica had a puck that got tipped in in his first game and he had an assist. Kevin Bicker has an assist. Uh, Germany had a big win, actually. Finland's had a tough week so far. They have, yeah. And very cool to see the German program continue to get better. Like People are seeing them and they're understanding that Germany as a hockey country is becoming more and more of a thing. So in Group A, the standings right now are Canada first, two wins, six points. Sweden tied, two wins, six points. Germany third, uh, one win and one loss. They have three points. Finland, two losses. Latvia, two losses. And then in Group B, USA, who look, Frank Nazer, Man, he looks great. USA's are like that. You see that team on paper, you're like, I have a hard time understanding how they could possibly lose. Stop talking up Chicago prospects, Ryan. It's been enough for one episode. I know. USA uh, first with two and six points. Slovakia behind them, two and six points. Czech, uh, Czechia has one win for three points. And then both Norway and Switzerland have two losses. So that tournament, as it unfolds, will keep you posted. Those five Red Wings prospects, Sandine Pelica, Johansson, Augustine Bicker, and Danielson are the ones to watch. We'll keep you posted. All right, let's get into overtime to wrap up 2023. Overtime on this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast is brought to you by our Patreon supporters, patreon.com slash wingedwheelpodcast if you want to support the show. You help us grow the Winged Wheel Podcast, You know, do the things we do, make the podcast better, host Winged Wheel Podcast Nights at the LCA in partnership with the Detroit Red Wings and the Grand Rapids Griffins. You help us support the Jamie Daniels Foundation, put out more excellent content like with the show Expected by Whom, hosted by Prashant Iyer and Sean Shapiro, and lots, lots more. Again, patreon.com slash winged wheel podcast. All right, let's get into some questions from our patrons before Brad's stomach takes over on the mic completely. Uh, first one here from Clip Clop Nene says, what's your guys' favorite thing to see in-game? Goals and wins don't count. I, for example, love an absolute piss missile from the blue line that pings the bar. Oh. This is going to be a very specific answer, and thankfully we were able to live through it. And this is a very Detroit-specific thing. Cronwald. I was going to say the Cronwald big hit 
Just because the like big hits are always good, but the way Cronwall set it up, you could see it coming for a good amount of time before he connected. So it unless had you're this... the winger swinging for the pass, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the underrated part of that is if you ever watch any of those hits with like a good ice level mic that happened to be on the broadcast, you can hear that player's team's bench just yeah. hollering, Heads! yeah. Yeah, they they see it so far in advance, and you're if your head's down or you get a suicide pass, you're just never gonna see it. And yeah, that was I I really miss seeing those. Cider does it a little bit, but it's not not the same size player first of all, but it's not exactly the same, and that's just their different players. But oh, the old school Cronwell hits. Yeah, that's a really good one. Joseph Barry says, "Are people blaming Newsy crazy for saying it's his fault?" He's certainly not absolved of all no, guilt. No, I think that's exactly right, Evan. I think you put him and the coaching staff in with the whole big lump of everyone, save for a couple people on any given night, one of their names is usually Patrick Kane. It They're all doing poorly. And if your in-game adjustments or lack thereof aren't fixing things, then you're not free of blame either. You have to remember... Derek Lalonde is still a new NHL head coach, and if you want to be a good NHL head coach and get the most out of your team, you understand how to minimize the impact of these losing streaks and these funks that every team goes through and break out of them earlier. And that is something that you're going to have to learn. And so, yeah, if Derek Lalonde wants to be not in the conversation of whose fault it is, then things are going to have to change. So, yeah, I think you're right. It's at least somewhat on the coaching staff. Uh, next question here from Dan Bell, and there's a similar one from Ari Fragan says, has Raymond been the biggest victim, so to speak, of the Kane acquisition? His time on ice has fallen, production has slowed, and he seems to not be clicking with his line. They were uh, minus four against the Wild. Thanks, guys. And Ari says, I know Kane has been awesome, but has it been at the expense of Lucas Raymond? His game seems to have flattened out a bit, and he's been bouncing around lines with no real stability. Curious on what you guys think. Originally... Kane did not displace Raymond from Larkin's line. And then the team went in the shitter and that's when the loan started mixing it up. So it wasn't like Kane got signed and Raymond got demoted. It, it There was a gap where, because I, I, I forget what the second line was. Because for a stretch there, when Kane got signed, they still ran Valeno, Larkin, Raymond as a top line because they were playing pretty good at the time. And then it was, I think, to bring it Kane you know, whoever that top line stopped producing anything. So that's when the shakeup happened. So yeah, he's the biggest victim, but he also didn't do himself any favors right out of the gate. Upernadian says, are the wings one of those teams that have higher end talent, but just can't seem to make it work. Kind of reminds me of like back in the day when the Yankees owner used to try to buy a world series team and it just didn't seem to work. I hope not because I feel this is a good team, but they can't seem to get it together. Keep it real, boys. Cheers. If we so, could buy an Alex Gonzalez right now, that'd be fantastic. I'll say this is not, that's not, like the Red Wings being that archetype, is. that's just not the case. They still need desperately more high-end talent. They need more high-end talent and they need higher-end talent. Like the way this team should be is that Cider and Larkin are their best players most nights. And you look at that on balance of teams who are like perennial playoff contenders or cup contenders, and that does not sniff what those teams have. It's not a knock on Larkin or Sider or Raymond or Kane or DeBrinket, but this is not a Yankees team. This is a team that has to be 
If you add up all the different parts that make up the Detroit Red Wings, you're usually going to have to ask them to be greater than that sum. So, okay, next question here from Cody D says, if we somehow continue this fall and by some miracle get Celebrini, how good is he compared to other young players like Bedard or Jack Hughes? And how far does that move us forward in terms of expected team success? Thanks for the great year of content, guys. So if we're obviously hindsight's always 2020 and we know what these guys are now, but if we're talking about where Celebrini would be talent wise going into the draft, Lafreniere tier, like he's not Matthews, McDavid, Bedard, um, Jack Hughes going into the draft, probably a good comparison too from the, to give an example of someone who actually panned out. I don't think Celebrini is ever going to be what Jack Hughes is now, but I don't think when Jack Hughes was drafted, people thought he would be even this good. But so if you remember the, whatever relative hype levels were around Hughes and Lafreniere, that's about what Celebrini is. Cause I'd say he's a step up from Slavkovsky, right. And power those years. So he, he's somewhere around there. I would say. I still like Lafreniere going in. Even with Lafreniere finding form, like Lafreniere going in was supposed to be Jack Hughes' level impact on the ice, if not more. Yeah, that's why I lumped of, them together. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's such a marvel as to how that pick hasn't panned out that way. Some of it's on him. Some of it I still maintain is on New York, but that one still blows my mind. Udalali says his team is in serious trouble and they better turn things around quick in January. Otherwise, all the hope of extending Gosses, Bear, and Kane will quickly turn into hope that they'll waive their no trade clauses. Yeah, I'm already starting to piece together in my head what some of these pending UFAs could get at the deadline. It just it, a lot of that depends on what they want to do, and you haven't had any real indication one way or another. Gossespierre has been good on more than one team now, so I would say he's maybe a little bit less likely to look at this and say, "Oh, I'm performing really well here, and so I don't want to you know ruin that." But I don't know, man. It's only it, you're still so early into the Patrick Kane experiment where you're regretting a one year deal because I think knowing that injury history and the the surgery history that's kind of what you had to do, but you wonder about what Patrick Kane's going to think. You know, he came to Detroit because he wanted to win. He liked the X's and O's. He was hearing. There's, there's some letters on the ice right now. They're not X's and O's. So I can tell you that much. So that one is. It's a really good point. AJ Voss says, what was your favorite keep the streak alive at all costs acquisition? I personally liked 11 points in 27 games from Merrick Zidlitsky in 2015 for a 2016 third round pick that didn't turn into anything. Oh yeah. The Zidlitsky hype train was off the charts. I remember that. That was fun. <laughs> he was like one of our early episodes was a Merrick Zidlitsky name pun. I, I yeah. still remember that. Oh God, that throws us back. Uh, I don't. That know, was like, that was our first, like I think, objectively correct take. Because I remember our opinions were, yeah, sure, he's good and he didn't pay a lot, but this team sucks. Stop giving up assets for these aging guys. We and then Leguan and Cole were like, what the hell are we doing here? And everybody, that was when we first got accused of being way too negative. Yeah, we <laughs> were right. <laughs> Why are you booing me? I'm right. Oh man. Yeah, that was not, I don't know, man. Like that, those were not fun times. No, no. And it's bringing back so many memories and there's still so many I still similar remember a, feelings. Remember a full year of just yelling at Brad Richards? 
Yeah, that was that was particularly tragic. Those were rough years. How did we make it through that? Remember, it's easy to forget Brad Richards was a Detroit Red Wing. <laughs> Steven Weiss. Oh, God. Don't even. That's not funny. <laughs> Remember when he was good for a little bit? Franz Nielsen like still feels games. like yesterday. That is a name I have not thought about in a while. This is getting depressing. Let's wrap this up with a... <laughs> A note of positivity. Folks, that's it for 2023. We're going to be back with you on New Year's Day, probably in the evening as we recover from everything going on. I hope everyone has a safe and happy New Year's celebration. Uh, Whatever you're doing, whether you're going to be like Brad and having a quiet night in or going out and partying, whatever it is. Hold on, hold on. Quiet night in. Have you met my kids? Well, they're going to, what time will they go to bed? They're going to see the ball drop. They're lunatics. Yeah, see, that's on you for... They're actually putting Brad to bed. Really. <laughs> oh, giving last, him a last, fake, he's no, giving, They're last, doing the fake countdown with Brad. <laughs> last year was my record. Uh, Hank passed out a little before midnight. Mika just made it, but I was in bed. Everybody was in bed by 10 after 12. It was perfect. No matter where you are, have a safe and happy new year. Thank you all so much for another uh, year of tuning into the Wind Wheel podcast. We can't say enough how much we appreciate it. It uh, means the world to us in 2024. We hope that uh, not just the Red Wings hockey, but the show itself uh, will continue to get bigger and better. So for the last time this season, thank you all so much for tuning into the Winged Wheel podcast. We would like to thank the Bat Blue Light for sponsoring this episode. To all of our listeners, new and old, uh, we appreciate you tuning in. To all of our patrons, we couldn't do it without you. Our name level supporters on Patreon, Arjun Shanker, Eves Bartels on behalf of the Sarah Grand Foundation, Akefer, Samuel Soderholm, Raymond's Missing Tooth, Icon, Brad's Lord and Savior, Bradley Cleveland, Glenn Brabham, Croner's Left Knee, Ashley Van Conet, Sea Lion, Keenan O'Donohue, Yanni Burgers, Meals on Wheels, Matthew M. Rice, Admiral Matt S. of the Cheesebag Navy, Brad Shin Extension Baggins, Carl Brutanen Nanaluski, Carl Provi, Citizen High Five, Clip Clop Nene, Connor Scovey, Craig Kibble, Daddy Bettman Bucks, Denny's Gamer Girl, Derek Enstam, DJ Denton, Eric Shun, G.O.D. Creatives, Give Blood, Fight Probert, Hockey Town Love, Hockey Town Matt, Hassam Al-Kassem, Jay Gollum, Jacob Turner, Joel Miranda, Jomfer Tomfer Comfer, Kaylin Wood, King Tone, Marcus, Marlon Winchester, Matt K. Cannonfart of the Cheesebag Army, Matt McKay, Michael Udland, R.A., Red Feather Desert Dogs, Ryan Hubbard, Scott Martin, Screen Lube, That's What I Appreciates About You, Wellman's Elite Dancing D, Iser Plan Stan, General Andy Bohan of the Cheesebag Army, Sam Bankson, A.B., Adam Rose, Axel, Sandy Pelica, Big Cheese, Brad Simmons, Brian Vasha, Chuck Buffchest, the Tarplet Schoon, Commander Ben Barron of the Cheesebag Space Force, Connor, Connor Leighton, Corey Prita, Darren Fick, D-Boss Snipshow, Dungeon Master of Puppets, Frank Stanley, Gene Sullivan, Griffey Boy, James Laporte, James Pridemore, Jeremiah Dobo, J.M. Rhapsody, John Evans Derogatory, John Ingalls, Josh Yelton, Kevin McCracken, Quaz, Les Grossman's Ungodly Storm, Linda Hull, Maximilian, Melissa Erickson, Norris Sider, Ophelia, Stephen, The Hodag, The Mexinadian, The Winged Wheel Podcast is proudly brought to you. Nope. Damn it, Reed. I'm not singing that, <laughs> reading that one out. The Hat 123, Winging It in San Diego, wishing Winged Wheel Podcast a happy new year. Thank you. X, formerly AA Ron, and your second favorite patron. Thank you all so very much. Happy new year. We'll see you in 2024.
Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.